Starcraft, Warcraft, my Sega Genesis, NHL 94 by EA Sports, boxes of baseball cards, a new computer. I still remember getting all this stuff when I was a kid. Happy moments in my life. When my brother and I were kids, we always looked forward to Christmas Day. The sun would rise, and then we would rise, and race to the fireplace in the living room. Neatly hung on the mantel were four stockings, for me, Mike, Mom, and Dad, our name clearly stitched across the front. We'd go straight for our own stocking, gently taking it down, reaching in to find out what was inside. Of course, we always knew what was going to be inside. G.I. Joe, a real American hero, action figure. Snake Eyes, Duke, Scarlet, Zartan, Cobra Commander. We'd open the package, equip the action figure with the accompanying accessories, weapons, backpacks, helmets, and we would add it to our collection. Dozens of G.I. Joes and their accessories stored away in boxes. A collection for us to play with and to glory in. What is it for you? What stuff have you collected in your life? What stuff has brought you happiness over the years? Stuff, simply part of life, isn't it? Our homes are filled with it. Sometimes we have so much that our cars can't fit in the garage. A good friend of mine has spent months rummaging through the stuff in his childhood home after his mom passed away. So much stuff. We live in a physical world, and it's normal, even expected, to acquire things. Things we need and things we enjoy. Things that are given to us and things we buy. But what is a good and biblical attitude toward all our stuff? Is it wrong to accumulate? Is it a sign of God's blessing? Or should we view our stuff from a different angle? Welcome to the 11th episode of Season 2 of Breadcrumbs, our youth ministry podcast at Bread of Life Church. I'm Jason Lowe, the youth minister at Bread of Life. This season, we are talking about the theme, sacred versus secular. When we label certain activities or things as sacred or as secular, have we really considered how that influences the way we see the world? Have we thought about how it might hinder our faith? Is it even right or accurate to use such labels? We're just weeks away from Black Friday and its close relative, Cyber Monday, a weekend to shop. Last year, Black Friday online sales, just online, were reportedly $7.4 billion. That's a lot of money spent online in just one day. Amazon, the online behemoth, reported net sales in 2019 of $280 billion. 
That's a lot of money for one store to collect in a year. And think about how much stuff we bought for $7.4 billion on just one day. Or how much stuff we bought for $280 billion at one store in just one year. We like to shop. We like to buy stuff. We like to have stuff and a lot of it. In fact, we even know that shopping elicits a physiological response in us. A release of dopamine, a neurotransmitter often associated with pleasurable experiences. A quick Google search of shopping and dopamine pulls back 11.5 million hits, highlighting the fact that acquiring stuff is an experience we find pleasure in. But our pleasure certainly isn't a sign of righteousness or holiness or of our faithfulness as a follower of Jesus. So what should our attitude be toward stuff, toward material things, materialism? In an article published last December, author Kathy Keller offers what I think is a helpful definition of materialism, a definition that will frame the rest of our discussion as we wrestle with what our attitude should be toward material things. She writes, Most people think materialism is the desire for many things, or expensive things, or unique things, or all three. But the truth is, You can be a materialist at any income level or none. All that's required is you look to the material comforts of this world for your happiness. Now, the key to her definition is that materialism has everything to do with our posture or our attitude toward our stuff. But before we get any further and reflect on this, let's pause and, as usual, take our primary cue from the Bible. I'd like to start with a parable that Jesus told. We find it in Luke 12, 13 to 21. I'll read it for us. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I suppose we might say that the parable speaks for itself. I mean, it seems pretty clear. Someone comes to Jesus with a question. But it's not just for curiosity's sake. 
He has an agenda. An inheritance is at stake. So, he asks a spiritual teacher, someone with authority, to side with him so that he can get his fair share. But Jesus, he's not really worried about whether or not the man gets that share. And it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he's worried about something else, something much more important. He's worried about the man's heart. He's worried about his soul. In fact, he's worried about the souls of everyone within earshot. So he uses the question to teach. And here's the take-home point. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And to illustrate the point, he tells a parable of a rich man who is just getting richer and richer. And the man thinks that his problem is that he has too much stuff, too many crops. But Jesus changes the perspective. He looks at this man a different way. He changes the problem. It's not that this man has too much stuff. It's that he thinks his life is all about his stuff. He says to himself, I've got enough stuff now so I can be happy. But if, as Jesus explains, the man will die that evening, it really calls into question his philosophy, the pursuit of happiness through his stuff. And Jesus keeps going. He fills in more details about a right perspective on stuff. Listen to what he says in verses 22 to 34. Verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For the life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here Jesus builds on the previous parable and says this, The kingdom of God is not about our stuff, what we own, our material possessions. Now, he's not saying that we shouldn't worry because things don't matter. And he's not saying that we don't need things, we don't need stuff. 
but he's saying that our purpose and our priority, what is of greatest value and what will make us happy, is something other than our stuff. So, what can we say about our stuff then? Well, earlier I mentioned Kathy Keller and her definition of materialism. To refresh, she wrote, Most people think materialism is the desire for many things, or expensive things, or unique things, or all three. But the truth is, you can be a materialist at any income level, or none. All that's required is you look to the material comforts of this world for your happiness. There's a lot that's helpful in her definition that I think is worth considering. First, as I already stated, she is more concerned with the attitude of the heart than she is with what you have in your room. It's not about how much or what you have that's of first importance. What this means is that you and I are not off the hook if our house is small or if our closet is bare. Second, just because how much or what we have is not of first importance, it doesn't mean it's of no importance. She presents the idea that materialism is not the desire for many things or expensive things or unique things or all three. But our desire for many things or expensive things or unique things or all three should be reason enough for us to ask ourselves the question that is of first importance, which is, am I looking to the material comforts of this world for my happiness? Third, the people who sell us our stuff aren't really selling us stuff. They're really selling us happiness or satisfaction. They're selling us status and significance. They want us to believe that our stuff can deliver all these things. That's what their marketing is trying to communicate. But we need to know better. We may be happy or satisfied with what we buy, but none of our material possessions will make us happy or satisfied. Possessing certain things may provide a sense of status or significance, but it won't be the kind of status or significance we're really longing for. What strikes me about Keller's definition and about Jesus' teaching in Luke is that stuff or material things are not identified as evil or wicked. They're not secular. The danger of materialism is not that our stuff is corrupting us. It's that our hearts are what's evil and wicked and that our hearts are corrupting our relationship with our stuff. Materialism is a heart problem and not a stuff problem. Our relationship with our stuff can and should be a sacred one. But what does that look like? Well, I think Jesus gives us that answer in Luke 12, 31, where he says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. You see, the key is for us to look to the kingdom for our happiness and not our stuff. A sacred relationship with our stuff is one that uses the stuff we have for the kingdom and for God. For many listening to this podcast, your students, you don't have a lot of stuff, relatively speaking. And in many ways, you rely on others, like your parents, to acquire any new things. 
but you are now laying the groundwork for your relationship with your stuff. So what can you do to lay a strong foundation? Here are two suggestions. First, regularly give your stuff away or sell it for less than it's probably worth. This will help to keep your heart from loving and hoping in your possessions. And then second, identify specific ways to use the most valuable things you own for clear kingdom purposes. If you have a car, use it to serve other people. If they need rides or to deliver things. Use your technology to serve other people, to write or connect or create. In our relationship with our stuff, it is all too easy to seek happiness from what we have. We can find the pleasure of shopping and getting new things to be an addictive experience that consumes us. We may find ourselves buried under a mountain of possessions, building new barns to store the excess. Instead, let's consciously and intentionally make use of what we have, not only for our own needs, but for the interests of the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Breadcrumbs. See you in December.